And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation post-game edition here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Tashawn Reed, ready to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, the 2-2 two and two now Las Vegas Raiders. They lose on Sunday to the Buffalo Bills, 30-23. to And uh, enough's enough, guys. Derek Carr is sick of losing. Yeah, he's been sick of losing before, though, so I'm not. I wasn't really that enthralled by that little uh, storyline. But to me, it was just a weird game. I thought that they were going to get blown out, then they were uh, somehow in the game, and they actually had a chance to do some damage. So I guess um, I'm not sure what you make of it going forward. But uh, you know, it's a loss, and you know, two and two with the schedule is not terrible. But still, there's definitely some frustration as far as the fanship goes, and also Mr. Derek Carr. Yeah, I don't think that they're at a like a enough is enough point of the season. I think. 500 is about the best case scenario that most of us would have thought through four games, given the way that their schedule um, was looking um, back in the offseason. So I think what makes it sting probably a little bit more is that at least for a period of time, less so against the Patriots than today. But they feel like the last two games, they kind of really shot themselves in the foot, whether it be penalties or turnovers and kind of got themselves out of a game that they, they possibly could have won. So. Um, you know, if they get blown out um, in either of these two games, it probably doesn't sting as much, if that makes sense. We know what the Raiders are. They are a team with a potentially explosive offense and a really, really bad defense. So you have to be aggressive. And, you know, kicking field goals in fourth and two in the red zone twice is not being aggressive. And I think it's also a mindset, too. Like, if you want your quarterback to be aggressive, throw balls downfield, you, you as a coach have to be more aggressive and you know, the, the analytics, you know, has shown Victor goes to the aggressor. I mean, you know, aggressive play callers, aggressive teams usually, you know, win out in the, these situations. And it's just, you know, you, you can't do that. I mean, that's – you kick two field goals when you could have tried for touchdowns. That's eight points off the board. And I'm not saying they would have got it, but that's potential eight points off the board. You are saying they would have got it because you're taking points off the board. So you're saying, I mean – Ingle got stuff once, Jacobs got stuff later. So to me, fourth and two is not a sure thing for this team. So they were in the game, and the defense got to stop. So to my, my mind, it, it worked. I think that was it was early enough in the game where you could take the points. I also think it's early enough in the season where you have to at least pretend to have a little bit of faith in your defense. You can't go into the third quarter like, you know what, you guys suck. I'm not, I have no faith in you. We're going to go for it every time. I'm not sure that's a great message to a young defense who you're hoping finds his footing the rest of the way. Raiders aren't explosive as the Ravens were last year, but the Ravens, while their defense was figuring things out in the beginning of the season, they were going for it on you know fourth and short damn near every time. I, I just think that's the mindset the Raiders should take, just based on the team they are and just to get this team going and be a little more aggressive. 
But they have they have Lamar Jackson. I mean, the Raiders have nothing. Nothing is Derek Carr, but I mean, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> a fourth and one. That's pretty good. That's not, I mean, that's a pretty good option to have. I'm not sure I want to see Derek Carr you running Derek around Carr, and scooting, on fourth and around one. a little bit today. No, I'm just kidding. But I, there's different ways to get these these short yardage situations. Yeah, I, I hear you. I know. I know some fans are frustrated. I just think that with this team, you got to get your points early on, at least when you can. It makes a difference. Like Vic Mick mentioned, Lamar Jackson. You know, when you have a guy like that, who if a play breaks down, he still has a chance. I think that's why a team like the Ravens feels confident going forward. You know, so these quarterbacks that are able to make something out of nothing, I mean, that's just not Derek Carr. Yeah, but I think, like, I get the one that that Vic is talking about earlier on in the game, but that first possession coming out in the third quarter, um, you know, you make it down to the Bills' seven-yard line. It's a fourth and two. Earlier in the game when they passed and and went for a field goal in the fourth and two, I could get that. You know, it was early in the game. You're still filling that out. But at that point, you know that your defense sucks as it's continued, you know, to suck through the first three weeks of the season. Um, you could take the momentum, you know, you know, coming out. They had just scored before the half. They had a chance to take the lead there. Instead, you know, they, they settle for a short field goal and it goes to a one-point game instead of a four-point game. I don't know how much that helps you in a game that you know that your defense probably isn't going to be able to slow down the Bills. I just think you have to go for seven there. Well, how it helps you is – when the Bills score their next touchdown, you're still within only only within a touchdown. If if you go for it and don't get it, which they you know their success on fourth down hadn't been great, when you go for it and don't get it, then they score that touchdown and you're down by two possessions. So that one, I to me, I mean, I, I'm with Vic that I thought that one made sense and it made even more sense when they got the defensive stop. I also don't disagree with. I think I think you really can't go wrong either way. I mean, if you go for it, I, I think it's a good aggressive move. But I mean, I also don't think it was a terrible decision. It's not. It's not one of those that like was a super obvious you have to go for it we're gonna just rip you for not going for it yeah i I just think that you should assume that your defense is gonna give up around 28 at least 28 points and when you're down in the red zone he's gonna tell them that at least (laughs) 28 points hey paulie g you don't say it you don't say it don't say it out loud but you just assume 30 the first four games so give up 30 points a game the first four possessions are limited and you have to get over 30 points a game in, in my mind so you have to be you know, I'm not saying you have to go for every fourth down, but like when you're in the red zone, like in that third quarter, you got to go for it, in my opinion. Just based on what we've seen from this team, that's the type of team they have to be. Let's talk more about Derek Carr. Um, you know, he had the fumble. He had the other one that wasn't ruled a fumble because his uh, progress had been stopped. But I don't know what the hell. He, I, I don't know if he knew that his progress was being stopped, and that's why he just kind of like, just a little, little two-hand toss of the ball. I don't know what the hell that was. I was like a hot potato. Hot potato. I was like, hot potato. Yeah, I mean, what, what was that? I mean, I, I, maybe he knew that the play was dead, but that that one, even though it doesn't go down as a fumble, uh, looked really bad. And now Derek Carr, since 2014, when he entered the league, 57 times he's fumbled, uh, second most in the league, to Russell Wilson. So it's not to say that you can't be still a very good quarterback and and fumble a lot, but the 27 lost fumbles leads the NFL in that span. But Russell Wilson's out there scrambling, buying time. Like Carr just doesn't take very many hits because he throws the ball quickly, and you know so there's time like 2016 he barely got touched. But it just seems like he just doesn't have a very firm grip on the ball when he gets hit. I think that's a problem that's going to stay with him for for a long time. The hand size issue? Are we going to get into evaluate, going back and evaluating hand sizes? Probably to me, even though his, obviously both fumbles hurt, but I think Darren Waller's fumble before that might have been even more harmful because they, they looked like they were driving there and 
you know, I think they would have had a chance to take the lead there. Um, and then the, the Bills respond with a touchdown. And so, you know, the short pass, fighting for extra yards, you got to secure that rock, man. And, you know, I, I think Derek talked about it after the game, you know, you don't really jump on a guy like that when they make that kind of mistakes because he, he does so many other things, right? But, you know, he might have been covering himself a little bit there too since he fumbled <laughs> later in the game. But um, I think that Waller fumble was pretty big too. That's the peanut punch. That is one where a lot of it, you got to give credit to the defensive player for making a, a great play. I mean, he had two hands on the ball, I think. I mean, if I recall, I think he had two hands on the ball. I mean, sometimes... Some of those, it's just you kind of got to give credit to the defense. It is cliche, but I mean the Bills are four and zero, so you got to give them some credit. Obviously, they're they're a pretty good team. I mean, so I thought I thought it'd be a flat spot, but I guess I was wrong. Josh Allen doesn't believe in flat spots apparently, and against that defense too. So I just think it's um to me, I mean the defense looks like they're going to get blown out early on. Yet they only gave up thirty points, which I'm not saying only, but based on what I saw early on, I was thinking it'd be like you know be 40 or 45, but I guess it got better in the second half. I guess Gunther made some adjustments. There you go, Raider fans. Gunther made some adjustments in the second half. Or else it would have been 40. <laughs> or else it would have been 40, yeah. You know, even though the Bills are very good, there were a lot of self-inflicted mistakes. Like, the first two touchdowns the Bills had were blown coverages. One was, you know, when Joyner got out the game, Roberson came in, and I don't know, he had some sort of miscommunication. He thought somebody else was going to pick up his man. Wide open touchdown. The second touchdown, both Morrow and Joyner ran to the flats. Nobody stayed inside. I think it was probably Morrow's fault. Wide, you know, touchdown for Cole Beasley. And then right after that, that illegal formation penalty. Well, the illegal formation penalty was a little more uh, debatable because, you know, in the rule book, it says you must have seven or more players on the line. So you could have more than seven players on the line of scrimmage, but that guy's covered off. And on that play, Aguilar uh, covered off Moreau. Moreau stayed in a pass block, so that's perfectly legal. And that that touchdown got called back, and I think they ended up costing him four points because did they end up getting a field goal on that drive? Yeah, they got a field goal. Yeah, so that's four points off the board. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, the other thing on that on that possession, beyond that touchdown to Aguilar getting called back, I mean, it wasn't a perfect pass, but remember there was that throw to Waller inside the 10 that he got his hands on and he couldn't haul it in. That, uh, that could have made a little bit of a difference there. And Zay Jones had a deep one, too. That kind of went off his fingertips a little bit. It might have been overthrown a little bit, but I think you you got to lay out and get that one. I feel like a lot of fans are blaming Carr, but this particular game, I don't think he played bad. I thought he played fine, you know, maybe a little above average. But we know what Carr is. He's not going to elevate a team. And it's, it's hard elevating a team without their two starting receivers, but he's not that type of quarterback. And I thought he played fine, but, you know, it's just hard keeping up with the Bills and the, the missed opportunities were too much. I don't think it's fair to put too much on Carr for this game. Josh Jacobs didn't really have that great of a game. You only know, you know, averaged 3.2 yards per carry. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with some of the injuries they have up front. Like you said, they're minus their two starting wide receivers. Um, and defensively, you know, when your defense is that bad, it's kind of hard to put all the focus on the quarterback. I don't think that's really I – know, I know people hate Carr, but I don't think this game is a result of him. I don't think he, they lost because of him. Yeah, you look at Jacobs averaging 3.2 yards per carry, 48 yards on on 15 attempts. You see, you know, the fourth down play to Ingold where Gabe Jackson is getting pushed into the backfield and Ingold never really had a chance. Uh, Gabe also struggled on on the the strip sack. You know, they had uh, Sam Young was back out there, but he ended up leaving the game and Brandon Parker um, played right tackle. Their, Their fourth different right tackle this season. Yeah, obviously it's been a revolving door there at right tackle, but uh, when you see Gabe Jackson struggle, he's supposed to be one of your reliable guys, and and maybe part of that's because he's got Parker there next to him, and he's you know trying to help him out. I don't know, but um, that's uh, it's a tough blow for them. You know, one of the sh- strength of I mean, this is the strength of this team is supposed to be their offensive line, and just they haven't been healthy, so this offense is not where it, it needs to be yet. They they haven't got you know established their identity that they they want to establish yet. There's also a lot of pressure on the offense. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they won't say it's affecting them, but they, they know they got to score 30 plus points to, to win the game. So that's got to be tough. I mean, for a quarterback and for receivers and, and tight ends. But this pass rush is like, I know we say it every week, but yeah, I was looking on Sports Radar, our stat service that we have. They only had one pressure this game. In the other three games this season, they had at least five. It's still like their total for a season already wasn't good coming into this game, but one pressure. Like, it's just ridiculous. Obviously, they had the one sack, but I think that was mostly because Josh Allen, like, he turned his brain off and was just, like, running around and holding the ball forever. And So that he was kind of like him, a, He had to give him one play where he took off. Yeah. Yeah, and that little flip pass he had to. But anyway, yeah, the, the, the pass rush is just – like, I didn't I didn't think it would be great this season, but this is this is pretty bad. So Gruden's pep talk didn't, didn't work out too well for Malik Collins. Let's see, Malik Collins, one assisted tackle. He left the game with a shoulder injury, right, at some point. So I didn't really notice that he had left. For the season, Mohurst has more pressures. 
He has more quarterback hits and he has more sacks than Malik Collins. But he never played for Rob Marinelli before the season, so um, he he can't be the key to their defense. Isn't Carl Nassib is he second on pressures? It was Max Crosby. Max Crosby was at the top, and then uh, Mars. Yeah, they're not getting much out of uh, last year's first round pick. That's for sure. He's like barely not even getting discussed in the games. Barely. I mean, what? Hey, I don't see today one tackle out of him. Um, obviously, the secondary is struggling um, without Damon Arnett. He, Lamarcus Joyner kind of was in and out of the game a couple of times, getting banged up. Jonathan Abram, you know, had had that one really nice tackle um, where he he flew in there like a missile and and and, and it landed this time. Yeah, I think he's. We kind of know he's always going to be a guy that's probably going to get banged up here and there. He kind of came in and out a little bit. They can't really develop any continuity back there because they're they're having to put so many different guys in and out. Yeah, plus they're so young, and then you look at their guys who have experience. Like the, one of the team captains is Eric Harris, and he's having a really rough year this year. He had a rough game today. So if your veteran guys are not having a, hard, a good time of it, then your, your young guys, it's just a lot to ask the young guys to pick up for, for veterans. I think one bright spot for the defense today was that the run defense was a lot better. Um, obviously, it was only the only way it could go was up from how they played against the Patriots, but I think getting Kwiatkowski back – um, really gave them a nice boost against the run. Yeah, I thought Nick Kwiatkowski played a good game, and you have to, I have to go back and watch the tape. But I didn't notice times where they were like, as as far as the front, I saw some miscommunication going on pre-snap with the secondary. But as far as the front, they just looked a lot more comfortable against the run. Eighteen, you know, Devin Singletary had eighteen rushes, only averaged three point one yards per carry, and before that, um, that final run he had, he was averaging less than three yards carry. So. Nick Kwiatkowski makes a difference, and uh, that was good, but he's not going to help the pass rush, which is just the biggest issue on this defense right now. You know, the other thing with Kwiatkowski, uh, you know, and maybe this is, you know, wanting to keep him on on a pitch count kind of thing, but um, I know that pass coverage isn't his strength. He's he's better against the run, but um, they were taking him out and passing downs, and maybe, again, that could just be they want to ease him in, but uh, Mora was out there mostly, it seemed like, in in passing situations. Um, Maybe kind of as he gets his feet back under him, uh, they'll get him out there more and kind of get him back into being that three-down linebacker role. Yeah, I think that might be just because he's just now getting back because he was pretty solid in coverage last year with the Bears, so it wasn't terrible. I don't think he's somebody you have to take off the field on third down necessarily. So it might just be him, like you said, getting his win back. Kind of what Ted said about the the alignment improving. Part of it might have been um, Gunther called this game from up in the press box instead of being on the sidelines. Gruden said after the game he thought the communication was better, and, and Kwiatkowski said the communication was pretty pretty good. Um, part of that might just be because he's he's back and, and manning things again, but maybe having that different view helped Gunther out. But the rest of the defense is still you know struggling, but at least they they got the lining up part down. Seems like. I mean, it seems weird because I think Mullen's playing well. I think Joyner is playing well, but he's banged up. Abram is just kind of up and down. When I you know watched the fil- the Patriots film, he I thought he he made some plays and really improved. And unfortunately, there's that injury now, so it's just hard when you have all these moving pieces and rotating pieces to really kind of solidify themselves in the secondary. There's not going to be a pass rush. I don't think any there's there's going to be a miracle that's going to happen during the season that automatically gets their pass rush better. But if there's any hope, I think if the secondary could get healthier and get some experience together, I, I think they'll keep improving. You know, I think one thing we can 
see now with Jonathan Abram is is this season really makes it disappointing that he got injured last year and he didn't have that rookie year to kind of make these type of rookie mistakes, you know, the over pursuing the aggressive play. We know he's just that, that kind of player by nature, but having that whole year of sitting on the sideline, just chomping at the bit, I think it, it probably really hurts because he, he didn't kind of get, get to really learn the game and the speed of the NFL last season. Yeah, because those are mistakes that they're not meant, they're, they're kind of mental mistakes, but those are mistakes you've learned by being on a field. And, you know, like you said, he just wasn't there. So he's he's dealing with the growing pains now. Also dealing with the growing pains of Meek Robertson, we referenced it earlier, his first NFL snap uh, out there on defense and uh, gives up a touchdown, uh, a, a rough debut for uh, for that guy. Got thrown out there a little bit unexpectedly with um, Joyner getting hurt and just had his eyes locked in the backfield, which you never really want to see uh, from your cornerbacks. It's not really their job just to fly in there and stop the run. So he just bit really hard on the play action and got burnt. So welcome to the NFL moment, I guess. A couple positives before we get out of here. Um, Jason Witten found the end zone, uh, so that moves him uh, up a little bit closer. I think what was the over under on touchdowns for him? I think it was two. So uh, he's uh, he's on on pace for four. There we go. He he got in the end zone. Um, Aguilar another touchdown. Uh, Hunter Renfro that uh, that one pass from from Carr to to Renfro. I mean that was kind of like a he got mossed moment. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, that was a second difficult catch in a row. All right, what other positives can we give these people before we get out of here and start focusing <laughs> you want on po- You want positives? Uh, what can we give them? Let's see here. Uh, was the pregame better than the halftime this time? Were they tricky again? What did they do with the spread? It was right. It was like some, some barbecue chicken and potatoes. It was cool. It wasn't chi- it wasn't chili dogs, so we, they stepped it up. The pregame was like a breakfast sandwich, so they definitely covered all their bases. All right, well, it's uh, it's time to get ready for a trip to Arrowhead Stadium. That's uh, always fun. Um, I mean, if if we do want to look at some positive, the Raiders don't have to go to Arrowhead in December this year. It feels like they always go to Arrowhead in in December or in the you know in the piercing cold. Now they get to go in October. Uh, hopefully, the weather is uh, is decent for them, and uh, at least there won't be uh, there won't be stories this this week about Derek Carr playing in the cold and what his record is and temperatures under 38 degrees or whatever it is. Those are fun stories. I saw the uh, opening spreads 12 points, Chiefs minus 12. I mean, hopefully that game happens. I know that they had a scare this weekend with the Patriots um, and the game scheduled to play tomorrow, um, but I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous about the whole situation with how the, the Titans uh, played out, you know, with, with the cases kind of coming up days later, so... Hopefully nothing else flares up and that, that game can actually happen next weekend. Yeah, and the the Chiefs will be on shorter rest than uh, initially anticipated by now playing on uh, on Monday night instead of uh, the Sunday game. So maybe that, that helps the Raiders a little tiny bit. You're saying there's a chance for an upset. Ah, here you go, Jimmy. I hear you. Short, short rest. <laughs> I like Trent, Trent Brown comes back maybe. Uh, who else comes back? Rugs. Uh, we get Ruggs back. Henry Ruggs maybe. Ah. Jimmy, you dying on this hill? Are you dying on this hill? I just introduced the hill, and then Vic put me on there, and I guess I'll just live on it for a couple of days. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what kind of food I can find on the hill, and it, and I'll I'll test it out for a couple of days, and I'll let you know on Wednesday if I'm living on it yet, if I'm dying on it yet. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up our post-game edition of State of the Nation. Again, we'll be back in the middle of the week to talk about the Raiders heading to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, talk to you guys later. All right, ciao. Peace. Adios.
I think there's a little bit of a warm sensation on his bum right now, probably, I think. 